I have never before been intimidated by a person reading the scripture. <laughs> I am so nervous for this sermon now. <laughs> so let's pray. Oh God, take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire for the ministry that you are doing throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tucked in and among the words and phrases that Cecilia just read for us is a name that she didn't want to pronounce, but that we have never quite noticed before. This is the only time in the entire Bible that this man's name is mentioned. I've never preached a sermon based on him, let alone noticed him, until this week. We've heard of the other familiar names, of course, the giant redwoods of the faith, the, the biblical heroes, like David and Esther and Moses and Ruth. But standing next to those people is this seemingly insignificant name, this tiny acorn of a name. But maybe that's why his name is mentioned at all in Philippians chapter 4. To remind us that even the tallest redwoods of the faith all at one point began in the tiniest of seeds. <laughs> it's every likelihood that you have never heard the name Epaphroditus before. But I hope that by the end of the morning you will recognize just how much, like Epaphroditus, you really are. There are not many things we know about Epaphroditus. The first, however, is pretty important. We assume he was part of the Philippian church. The church in Philippi was one of the very first to be established in the entire continent of Europe, which means that Epaphroditus was one of the very first European Christians to come to the faith, one of the very first Gentiles to decide to follow Jesus. The other thing that we know about Epaphroditus is that he was part of a church that began to take seriously the task of supporting global missions. It became clear to the Philippians that the task of the church was not simply to take care of its own members. It wasn't simply to look inward within the confines of the church walls. But it began to realize the task of the church is to extend God's reach outward to the ends of the earth. Maybe it wasn't a worship service just like this one. Maybe it was when Philippians had their own version of a missions celebration Sunday. Maybe it was on a worldwide communion Sunday that Epaphroditus felt a stirring within his own spirit as God was prompting him to give himself for the sake of missions in the world. Maybe he prayed a prayer that morning that he would be useful to God, that he would be a conduit, a vessel of God's grace to be sent all throughout the world. Maybe that prayer that Epaphroditus prayed hearkened very similarly to a prayer that we are growing in familiarity. Lord, let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Lord, let me be full 
or let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. And perhaps when Epaphroditus prayed that prayer of willingness and obedience to God's work in missions, God said, I can hear you, Epaphroditus. Because it had to be not too long afterwards that the church leaders of Philippi got together and said, we want to support a missionary and we need someone to help us do it. And lo and behold, what came to mind but a person, a little acorn, a little seed named Epaphroditus. And they said, hey, Epaphroditus, we have a job for you. We have a missionary that we'd like to support, and we would like you to be the vessel through which we support missions, to which Epaphroditus more than likely said, what? (laughs) Me? You got to be kidding. Why me? Nobody knows who I am. You've got all these big names to choose from. You've got Silas. You've got Barnabas. You've got Timothy. You really want a guy named Epaphroditus? I mean, who's going to be able to pronounce my name in the Bible years from now? What's poor Cecilia going to think when she sees my name in her scripture reading? She'll probably lay down some challenge to some poor preacher to make use of my name. (laughs) Take this preacher, do something with it. You really want to use me, Epaphroditus? And maybe that was the point. Maybe that was the reason that his name is in our Bible at all, because he was able to recognize something that most of the time, That God's advancement of the kingdom and God's work of mission is not contingent on the notable and mighty people and whose names are pronounceable. But by simple acts of support of missions from seemingly insignificant people like you and me. Maybe Epaphroditus is in the Bible to remind us that your life can make a difference. And Paul would remind us that the difference that you can make is a simple one. It doesn't have to be a luxurious or extravagant deed that you do. It can simply be done by the way that you live your life in direct contradiction to the culture around us. Earlier in the scripture that Cecilia read for us, Paul told the Philippians that the way you can make a difference is simply in living a life that is in contradiction to the world around you. That in a world that is filled with such fear and violence and brokenness and addiction to bloodshed and division and discrimination, where people are pushed to the fringe and where their lives are oppressed and where people see absolutely no hope in the midst of the darkness of their lives, we are called to simply live the life that God has called us to live. To live, as Philippians 4 says, to live lives that are true and are just and are pure, and are commendable, and praiseworthy, and excellent. In other words, God says that we need to live life 
as oddballs. Lives that are different. Even though people might look at us funny. Even though people in the world might ridicule us. Even though the world might look at our efforts as strange and laughable. Even though they might look at our attempts to be holy and righteous and pure and just as being too radical and too extreme and simply too weird. Even though the world would look at us and stop and stare and look at us funny. Even though we might stick out a little bit. Stick out a lot like this guy did. Oh, that's what it feels like to live a little differently, doesn't it? You can be thankful that we were able to show the video of that guy dancing so that I wouldn't have to demonstrate his moves to you in the pulpit. But that is what it looks like for us to have to live a life that's different from the world around us. The world doesn't quite get it. The world observes us and doesn't understand it. That's what it would feel like to live lives that are true and pure and honest and commendable and praiseworthy in a world that wouldn't understand. That's what it would be like to live like simple old Epaphroditus, simple odd Epaphroditus, doing what he can to support God's mission's work in his own little way. But he said yes. He said yes to those church leaders in Philippi, and so he set out to support a missionary. A missionary, by the way, that I'm confident that you have heard of. A missionary named Paul. Epaphroditus was entrusted with the task of giving financial generosity from the Philippian church to support the work of a missionary named Paul. And what would it have happened if there was no Epaphroditus, then that support would have never gotten to Paul. And what would have happened if Paul had never gotten that support? Well, he might have starved. Or he might have gotten stuck in one town, unable to get to the next. He might not have ever gotten to Rome. He might have even died. And if Paul had not been able to do his work, then there's every good chance you and I would not be here today all because of a little acorn named Epaphroditus who decided to give of himself completely in service to God and in support of missions and to live his life differently. We're called to be Epaphroditus. And I am honored to introduce an Epaphroditus to you this morning. Her name is not Epaphroditus. Her name is Emily Echevarria, and she is one of our own. She grew up in this church. She was a youth in our youth group not too long ago. Just an ordinary person with ordinary means who can now speak of her work in India 
and give testimony to a God who does an extraordinary work in the lives of those who will allow God to do just that. Let's welcome Emily this morning. much and good morning. Um, my name is Emily Echevarria and um, as Reverend McGray just said, I am quite familiar with this place. I actually had my first missions experience through Hyde Park in 2008. Um, got to go to Nicaragua with the youth group and that was an incredibly formative experience for me. Um, so I just got back from spending 19 months in Delhi, India, living in a slum community there. While I was there, I was completing a master's in transformational urban leadership through Azusa Pacific University. So the program focuses on the urban poor and seeks to unite the concrete realities of slum living with theological reflection to produce transformational action. We studied grassroots movements, church planting, public health issues, education, land rights advocacy, and more. And while all of that sounds really big and structural, I realized that some of the opportunities of greatest kingdom impact that were available to me were through small everyday interactions to speak dignity, love, and divine worth to those so often overlooked and trampled upon, namely the poor. India has a ridiculous number of, um, of people living in extreme poverty. I just read an article in the Times of India that said about 300 million people in India are considered to be um, under the line of extreme poverty. That's about the population of the U.S., give or take a little bit. Um, so that's a lot. That's, a, that's pretty overwhelming. Um, but something that struck me in the masses of people was that every single individual there is so important to God, and God loves every individual so deeply. I'm from South Tampa. I went to Academy of the Holy Names and to Plant High School. I'm definitely not from India. Um, and so I had to spend a lot of time listening and learning and absorbing the world around me, um, trying to learn Hindi, uh, succeeding and failing miserably, and I learned a lot about humility in the process. Um, and in this process, I gained a new appreciation for listening. I had the privilege to sit with some women, with some um, illiterate homeless Muslim women at a shelter in Delhi, and I got to listen to their stories. Um, their stories are heartbreaking and shocking. Every woman that I spoke with she had been married before she was 18 years old, some as young as 12 or 13, um, and they had endured a lot of abuse and vulnerability in their lives. Um, I went with it with another Indian Christian woman, and we went and we sat and listened to the women and held their hands. And one of the women we spoke with, she said to us, many people come here and they ask us questions for surveys, for program development, um, but you, you are the first ones to come to listen to our stories and to care. Why do you care? And we care because each of those women was created in the image of the living God, and she's worth far more than the world is telling her. She has agency imparted by a creative and active God and was designed to live in the fullness of relationship with him. So one of my favorite things to do when driving around Delhi in an auto rickshaw, which is kind of like a little three-wheeled mini taxi, um, was to engage the children who come up to the auto rickshaw to beg. Um, they have a routine, kind of a role in society. People expect the tone of voice they use, the words they use. It's kind of an anticipated thing, and most people avert their eyes and don't pay much attention. Um, but as the kids came up and asked for money and told, told me they were hungry, I loved to ask them what their name was. 
and you could immediately see this shift, right? Like they, they were like, you want to know my, my name? Why do you want to know my name? And they were no longer beggars, but they became kids. You could see the freedom um, that came with recognizing someone's dignity. Um, and such things are shocking to the surrounding world. I loved looking in the rearview mirrors and seeing the auto driver's reactions. They didn't know what to do with this like white girl talking to these kids. And like, it just didn't make any sense. Um, but this is in the spirit of our Jesus, right? The Jesus who spoke to adulterous women with dignity, who touched and healed the poor, who acknowledged children and tax collectors and sinners before he talked to those who were high up and highly esteemed. This is the spirit of Jesus who reaches out to the marginalized and those who are typically discarded. Um, and in seeking the Father's heart for the poor, um, I too have been changed in the process. Truly the poor have changed me. And I've become ever more convinced that the church, that is the people of God, is God's vehicle for bringing transformation in this world. His spirit and life empowers us to love others with the same transformational love that we have experienced. One verse that resonated with me throughout my entire time in India was Micah 6.8, which says, What does the Lord God require of you, O man, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And so whether we're in South, South Asia or South Tampa, or anywhere in between, it is my prayer that we may seek to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God in our daily lives. May Jesus transform this city and this world to look ever more like the kingdom that he has asked us to seek. Thank you so much. Jai Masiki. Praise the Lord. The stories of Epaphroditus and Emily Echevarria are living reminders that God's greatest acts always begin in the smallest of ways like an acorn in the ground, like a basket in a bulrush, like a slingshot and five smooth stones, like a manger in a stable. I suspect that when God takes a look at us this morning, God sees us here in this sanctuary not as insignificant people, but as a sanctuary filled with Epaphroditus's with the potential of making an extreme impact in a world that needs God's love. All that's necessary is for people like us to lay ourselves down and to say that we are not our own and to say that we simply want to be employed by thee or laid aside for thee, to be made full or to be made empty, to have all things or to have nothing. And by the way, what might happen? What might happen if we all became oddballs? If we all decided to live lives that were different and contradictory to the culture around us, to live lives that are true and pure and just, commendable, praiseworthy and excellent, and even supportive of missions? Well, what might happen is that our seemingly insignificant life might make a difference to a huge group of people.
And just to think that in the middle of that crowd, it all started with Epaphroditus, who believed deep within his heart that God's work is unstoppable, and all it requires is an open and willing heart. And that's the question for you. Are you willing to be supportive of missions, to lay down your life because it is not your own? In a moment, we will observe communion together in unison with the brothers and sisters all around the world who are making a difference for the kingdom of God. And after this service, you'll head over to the Harnish Activity Center and meet face-to-face -face with people who are dedicating their lives to make God's love real, and you will find a way to support them. And you will also discover ways that you can live a life that is countercultural that has lived up and against the darkness and brokenness of this world simply by the way you will live, a life that is true, pure, just, commendable, and praiseworthy. And I'll invite you as we continue through this series to continue praying the prayer that has guided us all along, that helps us recalibrate our spirits and reprioritize our lives to remember that indeed, our lives are not our own. So at this time, I'll invite us to stand as we recite the Wesley Covenant Prayer once again in preparation for Holy Communion. Let us pray. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee, or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> 